This is a Praxis podcast. All right, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> My name is Kevin. Um, I'm the host and the voice of the Praxis podcast, and I'm sitting here with uh, Nicholas. Yeah, nice to be here with you, Kevin. <laughs> How's your day been so far? Good, uh, I guess. A couple of meetings, discussing some budgets, planning a bit of upcoming residency programs, and. Yeah, good keeping busy, but uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's interesting. I find that Praxis is always busy. There's always something <laughs> going on. Yeah, perhaps sometimes a little bit too much, but uh, yeah, definitely busy. But for, so for the people who don't know, uh, what is Praxis? Yeah, it's uh, not the easiest thing to answer, I have to say, but um, we are an arts and cultural organization based in Oslo. Um, and really what we try to do, or work to do, is uh, strengthen creative practice across disciplines, uh, all stages of, of uh, practice, um, by bringing people together in different situations for exchange. So we have currently uh, three core programs through which we do that. Um, one is a transnational thematic residency program, so we work with uh, collaborators, institutional collaborators from the arts, but also from other fields as well. Uh, and we work with normally professionals, um, often artists, but they can also be writers, architects, designers, curators, uh, other creative professionals, um, in order to build frames around different themes. And then through Open Calls, we bring together different groups of people from Norway and internationally. Um, then we have our Praxis Teen Advisory Board, where again we collaborate with a group at Index in Stockholm and the Publix in Helsinki, and also other, other institutions through different visits, um, to work with young people in order to think about how uh, young voices can be lifted up in the arts, and how young people who haven't had so much access to arts before um, can feel welcomed into that space, both through pro- contributing to the program and being part of the program but also by creating programming for other young people and by giving feedback to different institutions in order to bring those voices in and then we also run a monthly uh, peer support group called uh, PDF Praxis Development Forum uh, which is a kind of low threshold thing like um, it's a we have eight places per session and the aim is to mix people together and whoever signs up first can join we run one at Praxis, we run one off-site at another institution, and then we run one online so that anyone in the world can join. And normally with those, we invite a guest um, to start off the conversation around a particular theme. So some sessions might be slightly more based on uh, lens-based practice because we've invited a photographer or a curator from the photographer's gallery or something like this. But it... Um, it shifts, but all of the programs are connected by this desire to bring people from diverse spaces together for different kinds of exchange around different topics and different ideas, essentially. So there's kind of a theme, very heavy uh, collaboration, focus and kind of collective dialogue and the essential aspect of trying to learn and develop what you do through that situation, really. And now there's a and now there's a podcast as well, so it makes sense why it's always something why there's always something happening why there's always it's always busy. Um, I guess are those 
different aspects of the program and, and what you do like in any particular order like what sort of came about first and like has it ha- has it always been this much going on or like where where did it start yeah it's a good question um no we we've grown and developed over the last eight years now it's gonna be eight years in in march 2023 so we started we were founded and rachel withers and i uh founded the organization in 2015 um and then we started running our first residency programs in march 2016 and that was sort of where it began so i have a background as an artist um i graduated from my masters at slade school of art in london in 2011 and then 2011 2012 i spent around a year and a half doing different residencies um various places around the world as part of four four residency programs and um i kind of was also very very interested in different platforms for exchange so in artistic practice i've always been quite interested in the dialogues that surround the practices as well as the work so the way that going into a gallery space or a museum or experiencing work in public space or a social practice piece the conversations and relationships that come from that situation so whether that's um, looking at a painting and thinking about it and feeling something that's almost like between the work and yourself and via them the context the artist or talking to another person about that work or indeed a broader setting but um yeah it's kind of interesting basically what what artworks do and how they operate socially the histories that they bring up the the kind of contexts that function and how they function in different contexts and um along so alongside my practice i started um creating different situations where i'd clear out my own studio and invite people over to bring a work each and then be in conversation with each other and i'd invite people who didn't know each other to come and discuss those works just get feedback because outside of university there wasn't really any space where you could go and engage with that and then i i started writing as a way of kind of getting into things more deeply compared to, you know, just going to a show and thinking about it and leaving. And uh, then I, I also did some, I sort of had some curatorial engagement since the early 2000s when I was doing my BA and I started sort of curating shows around themes that I thought were interesting, inviting different people together. And then I was also uh, very interested in, in teaching and I was doing some teaching at um, universities in the UK, mostly guest lecturing and things like this. And somehow my experience of the residencies that I did felt like actually with some shifts between these different interests, some of the structures from university teaching together with the kind of intensive environment of a residency and also bringing in a theme had the potential to create this incredible space for learning and thinking. And so um, Praxis was this sort of, started off as this kind of pipe dream of like, oh, well, this could be this thing. And then over some, about three years of talking with people, refining it, starting to develop ways of funding it, locations, things like that, it it developed, um, yeah, and it came into being, basically. And then uh, we got, my partner is Norwegian, and... Uh, for personal reasons, she she wanted to move back to Norway, and we were looking. At, I was originally looking at setting up practice in the UK, and I, within that context, it was a little bit of a reaction to what had been going on in the education situation in the UK, whereby uh, the government at the time chose to triple university fees and cut funds, and it saw 
student numbers double uh, and whilst staff numbers and spaces stayed the same. So there was really an impact on, on universities and there wasn't an intention to replace universities. But certainly this made me even more aware of a kind of need for uh, spaces for dialogue and developing practice outside of the structures that were existing uh, and were generally accessible at that time. And so, um, yeah, and then actually that initial idea, sort of as we started running it, we realized how much more potential there was like uh, in terms of uh, the way to engage with different research projects, the way to develop creative practice, the way to create links on a local level as well as internationally to highlight through the themes, to highlight important topics that you know really feel significant at the time. Um, yeah, and and also in running the program, kind of discovering the kind of the warmth and atmosphere that can be created between people who have never met each other before. And so this, and and so then. After running the residency for around three years, um, so at this point we're in twenty, yeah, around twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, mm. like late twenty eighteen, early twenty nineteen, we I'd, and I'd been working in Oslo during that time and started to feel that there was a need also for kind of yeah increased diversity in the field and thinking about who was working in the field and how to kind of position who, you know, I believe that if there was a lot of discussion in the art field about um, intersectionality and how to how to make the art scene more accessible, less elitist, uh, reaching out to wider audiences. And um, it felt like a lot of the programs weren't really doing it in the best way that they could. They were quite kind of still quite top down and, and a lot of people were, you hear things around going like, oh, but you know, we just can't hire can't find the people we need to hire or things like this. And so I really felt that there needed to be programs which thought, okay, but how do you get people to even think that there's a possibility of a career in the arts? Or how do you, so that you can then, you know, not next week, but actually in five, ten years time, have people who you can hire. Or you can, you know, how do you get people to actually recognize that this is a, an exciting area to work in? And so Teen Advisory Board kind of emerged out of thinking about how you could have programs that were really based for young people who didn't have much access to arts already. And at the same time that you could, those young people could actually give feedback and their impression of the art field. So it's not you teaching them how to engage with art, but actually you listening to them and thinking about how you operate and how that relates to them so it's kind of and it's, so it's not really a program for young artists it's maybe for you for people who might imagine themselves as organizers in the future and they don't have to go and work in the arts but hopefully their engagement makes them feel comfortable in that space uh, they become kind of ambassadors out to their friends and family and um, hopefully over the time they realize that there are possibilities to work in in that space and and uh, yeah just become familiar with it. So this is kind of where that grew from. And in that process, um, I was in Stockholm and I went to Index and they were running the Index Teen Advisory Board at that time. And it was very, very close to the ideas that I had. And then so I approached them and said, well, could we collaborate, exchange knowledge on how we're doing this? And that sort of, that's why the Praxis Teen Advisory Board became the Praxis Teen Advisory Board versus, you know, Praxis Youth Group or whatever other name we might have come up with at the time. Um, was because we then formed that close dialogue and actually so over the last 
uh, yeah, four or five years now almost, um, you know, we've been in, in conversation with, with Index and then Publix also came into the fold with that as discussing how to approach youth. And it's been quite fantastic working between three organizations within the Nordic region. It's, we're not too far apart. There are similarities, but there's also cultural differences. Um, thinking about how you really activate and give agency meaning to young voices um, and we, we've even we've tried quite different approaches to the program at different times and exchanged and um, yeah that's that's been a very exciting way to kind of when you're in a very small organization with sort of two members of staff full-time as we have here to work with other organizations that are similar scale but maybe operating slightly different ways actually makes you feel like you're part of a bigger team and um, it gives you access to the knowledge that you would have from a bigger team um, and it also you know you can reach out to more through uh, collaborating on events and things like this so that's that's also been great and then also around that same kind of time around 2019 we'd also been thinking a bit about how you know what we do within the residencies you you know you have to be in with the theme you have to apply the you know you have to get in but what could we offer that would give people more access to dialogue? As I say, I described before as a lower threshold, but basically, you know, where you can just sign up, you don't have to commit for a month, you can just come for a few hours. And, and um, former resident uh, Saeed Sitar Hassan, he was part of a residency that we ran called Monumental Temporal, which was a, a German artist, Gary and Kreber, uh, looking at how sculpture, how you could approach sculpture that could be kind of large-scale monumental in its impact but was minimal in its environmental impact and kind of uh, asking questions about how you could approach this uh, and also achievable within time and things like this um, and so yeah talking with Saeed from his experience of praxis um, we together kind of came up with this idea of, of PDF and, and praxis development forum which he now has been leading uh, since that started in 2019 so um, yeah so those are the three core programs we have and then we started during covid really but um, we'd had an earlier attempt as well uh, to run uh, praxis presents which is an online publication for art and ideas which looks at different themes and engages people who have participated in praxis before in different ways and, and others to explore the sort of ideas and that's the aim there is to think about how we take the research and the ideas that happen within the programs that we run and open them up to more people and also think about um, you know can we revisit you know a residency that we ran several years ago can we revisit the themes of it and pick it up and it's like this and then actually the now in starting the podcast the initial thought was thinking about that connecting with practice presents how we get those voices but hopefully it sort of is its own thing as well that it can go across Praxis Presents, the residencies, the Teen Advisory Board, PDF, and hopefully future programs that we start too. And give, I think, I hope that the audio format will offer quite a personal insight by having people in conversation in front of way. It offers a little bit of the atmosphere and the kind of the camaraderie that happens within these spaces because, you know. We before you know groups make exhibitions together or they make uh, publications or they someone produces an edition but that doesn't really get a sense of actually what's a huge part of what we do at practice which is about bringing people together and what happens between them mm. and so I hope that these podcasts will allow 
uh, a chance to both like you know, get into the topics, like what were the important things that happened within this research, what were the nuances, but also to to get some of the fun and the joy and occasional tensions that may arise between you know people uh, meeting and you know for the first time, but then for a longer time. And I think within all of the programs that we run, I think that question of duration um, and you know, not bringing people together for a few hours, but actually, you know, that they're spending many hours together in discussion, uh, showing each other work, giving feedback, visiting places together, having new experiences together, building becomes uh, very important. And be interesting to see how that comes into this these conversations, but hopefully it can sort of capture the, the energy and, and the meaning that's, that's brought. I also f- I find it interesting how, um, like, the ideas of inception or how much we overlap here like the ideas because i very much like relate to the idea at inception the need or uh, desire or missing like the the space and the context where you can sort of have a certain type of conversation where like you reflect and analyze things without that without necessarily having like a clear specific goal the way that you do in university because that was the same way that I stumbled into doing podcasts was because I'd finished I'd left uni in in the UK and um being an international student and having mostly international friends as well not having people in my immediate vicinity that I was used to having those conversations with but still engaging in you know, academic work or papers or, you know, just general reading or keeping up with the news and just missing that arena to sort of bring all of that together to try and unpick sort of the narrative of what's going on and what you find important. Um, I mean, that's what brought me into doing podcasts, then trying to replicate those conversations across Zoom or online to in a podcast format, um, which eventually led me here to uh, doing a workshop with PTAB and then that has eventually led to this. But I'm also like personally curious because most of what I feel like you're describing is very much like trying to get at that uh, sort of golden nugget of dialogue, whether that is dialogue between like contexts when you bring people from different places or uh, actual people or, you know, ideas. But so I'm curious, where's the name Praxis come from? Why Why is it called Praxis and not dialogue? Yeah, yeah. Um, so praxis is a word in Norwegian. The way we spell it is, you know, the word for practice, as in artistic practice, creative practice. Um, but of course, there's the English word practice with an X, which, for brief term, is kind of coming together of theory and practice, or you know, doing and thinking. And um, <clears throat> and so it felt like this is really, you know, when we were when Rachel and I were first talking about what to call Praxis and what we were thinking, we were kind of, you know, what is this place that we want to create? And it was somewhere for the development of creative practice, but also for the kind of communication and sharing with the wider public, also the engagement with creative practice. Um, But that it was also about this mixing of kind of research and doing and, and so, yeah, somehow this, this word Praxis felt like it, Know, held these different elements both in the way you say it sometimes leads to some confusion because people aren't sure whether they should spell it with the x or the k but uh, um i think that's okay <laughs> yeah i think it's all right i mean like the the concept remains the the same regardless like it speaks to the same uh idea i think yeah 
Yeah, and I, th- I think also we are. Um, we're, I think of us as a transnational organization. You know, we are almost everything we run has an international dimension to it. And I'm interested in, as I said, you know, the, how different topics, conversations that I consider to be important now are situated locally. You know, and that comes through collaborations and people we work with locally, but also how they are part of a global dialogue. Um, but with the Italians, we, you know, we wanted something that was. Norwegian and representative of that, but that also would have meaning internationally. And okay, if you read the word, it, it sounds as its own thing. If you don't have any uh, Scandinavian language uh, understanding, but but um, but when you read it out loud, it, it, it has that that um, intention. Although again, praxis is a word I suppose that's a little bit industry specific, and you know not everyone necessarily knows what praxis with an X means, but. Um, so in that way, it also had had a kind of identity to it. But it was it was this developing practice through exchange was our kind of tagline at the beginning. If you like. So. I also find it like how that it, it fits so well in the way that like things have developed through practice because each thing that you've done has sort of led to the next thing, and that sort of led here to to the podcast, which again I think points but will hopefully point back to some of the goals with PTAB and and other parts uh, of practice as well with the idea of like bringing people in as well because I think uh, a lot of people who don't necessarily have access to or engage in the art scene miss out on a lot of the conversations that happen usually in closed spaces or uh, if not closed um, like physically then kind of socially closed like within groups of people that you don't necessarily engage with. I mean, another thing that you touched on, another thing that we, Rachel and I thought about when we were starting Praxis was, you know, most often what, what's accessible to the public and opened up to the public is through museums and gallery spaces. And those spaces do hold talks, they hold artist talks, they hold seminars, conferences and things, but they are within those spaces you need to. And so I guess we wanted to make an organisation that sort of put at the forefront the dialogues that surround art and the meetings between people and kind of really... But at the same time, we did have this question, okay, but how does that meet the public? And how do you... T- and it's it's um, it's an ongoing... I don't think it's a problem, but it's an ongoing question for us. It's like, how do you tell the stories of what gone? How do you give people access to what people have been reading, what people have been talking about? When it's so intensive, and I think our big challenge around that actually has been capacity. It's about... There's so much we could share. There's so much going on. How do we create it in ways that are accessible and interesting for people? And then how do we get it out to people? How do you know we actually let people know it's there so that they can access it? Um, but I think for us, that's been one way. It's been through public events. You know, uh, since 2016, we've typically run. I think it's an average of around 40 events a year that people can can engage with. And then it's it's through uh, publishing um, through Practice Presents and uh, occasionally making different kinds of publications. We're releasing two publications in February, one which is uh, a group of artists who participated in uh, a residency called Nature Scribbles um, and Flesh Reads in March last year, which was 
collaboration with Index in Stockholm. <laughs> Not that everything we do is just by coincidence, but um, and uh, with an artist called Kaiser Dahlberg, who's uh, living in Oslo but uh, originally from Sweden. And then the group had this residency around relationships between uh, body and the environment, particularly thinking about how um, the body is kind of a sensitive measure to the environment that it's in and how uh, it's kind of reacting to, to climate changes but also uh, the chemicals and bodies that humans put into the environment that we live in um, and then the artists have continued working together um, since the residency finished on their own uh, uh, basis they're not us kind of creating it for them and they, they've worked to make a publication together so that's being launched uh, in February um, and then the teen advisory board have also made a publication over the year so within the program um, they start off by engaging with different spaces giving feedback on their experiences meeting artists then they um, are part of developing or they develop a conference around uh, topics that they're interested in and then from that and from their earlier activity they produce a a publication which aims to kind of give insight into to their perspectives and uh, take on what they've experienced and things that they've felt have been important uh, in order for other young people to be able to think about how they could access the arts and also for people working in institutions or arts or working with young people in any form to kind of also be able to reflect on how they are engaging with the arts and the things that they've been through in order to get to that that point and so they'll um, be launching a publication on the 15th of February which uh, so there's so yeah so publishing is one one angle of, of reaching out and then you know there's through our social media we, we ask people to put in like book recommendations and things like this but and then I guess we also it has to be okay that we allow and will trust the participants themselves to take this back into their practices and move forward and it's through their activity through their exhibitions through through the different things that they do um that it also takes on and we you know we've let go of it at that point but but you know the outcomes are varied and the you know we don't come and go think right at the end you're gonna have to make an exhibition or at the end you're gonna have to write a text or at the end you're gonna have to produce a publication or, or be part of the podcast even um, although that is an opportunity that we now you know have to put forward people um, I find that interesting that then like there's not the same focus that I personally see a lot of other art organizations normally have where it's like there's a need to always be making uh, a thing like that that the end has to be a tangible something to sort of show like look we did something yeah. that uh, and I think that sort of speaks back to the the focus on uh, engaging in the dialogue and like making certain things happen, not necessarily for a specific purpose right then and there, but for the sake of the exercise in itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're very silly, really, because by not having <laughs> uh, <laughs> by not having outcomes, uh, it's much harder to argue for your own reach and like dissemination. With, like what I believe is by not putting specific outcomes down the groups that work together are able to find the form that is most appropriate for them mm-hmm. anyway and so it's not to say we don't have outcomes um the outcomes are, are many but uh 
we don't have a specific expected form such as an exhibition, which then would drive a group towards thinking about, okay, how do I make a work for this exhibition? By leaving it more open, it becomes you know more fluid, and then our outcomes that are more publicly uh, accessible are, as I say, quite often in more temporal things like events and things like that. And but now I think uh, this podcast is a great way to hopefully capture some of that and the practice presents is another way but why I say we're a bit silly of course is um, that actually if you say well we're going to do A plus B and that's going to equal exhibition or A plus C will equal publication then it's it's easier to raise money for it you know but people like to give money for something when they know what it's going to be you know, and how many people it's going to reach and, and again our focus on not getting a thousand people through the door within three hours, but in fact, uh, making sure that we spend 5,000 hours working with the, you know, like if you multiply the number of people who are together for the period of time, it's, it works up to many, mm. like thousands of hours of people actually in dialogue, working alongside each other. But it's uh, durational and really looking to build relationships and kind of shift learning. I mean, for example, with teen advisory boards, we don't run a monthly workshop with a different group. We work with the same small 10 young people each month for a year. Mm. And that's so that we can really take them through a process and, and uh, that there is meaningful change. But, and we can really see that at the end of a year, they have a completely different understanding. Whereas if they came for a workshop or they could sort of drop in and drop out, mm. um, they would have to go to I think many different things and whether they you know they sort of so we asked them to commit to being part of something for a year and I think I mean we had a a launch last year for a publication a zine that the group made together and they organized their own panel discussion and at the end of the panel discussion uh, one of the audience asked so what was the best thing that you did as being part of Teen Advisory Board? And some said, oh, well, we went on this amazing trip to Helsinki and we got to see like Finnish museums and we met these artists and we did... And others like, oh, we did this brilliant workshop that was this. And one said, well, actually, the uh, best thing for me was when, when I left Teen Advisory Board. And everyone was like, what? And they left a little theatrical pause. Mm. And I said, yes, because after I left, yeah, you know, last week I went to Kunstnernis, who's a, a gallery, a big gallery here in Oslo. And uh, I went by myself, uh, not with Teen Advisory Board, and not, not with my parents, not anything like that. And um, I felt completely comfortable. I felt like, yeah, this is my space. I know what I do here. I know how it looks like, yeah. You know, and his, I would never have felt that way uh, before doing this program, you know, and I think that's the kind of change that we hope that you know by working with somebody for longer, you can actually create uh, relationships, new thinking, shifts in understanding that are life changing. Um, and then if that's life changing for one person, they can pass that on to others. So you kind of make ripples that. I mean, it, it also, again, points back to, like, the founding idea of what you were saying of, like, thinking long-term of, like, how do you produce the people that you need for the art world? And that's, like you said, not something you could do in five weeks. It's something that's, you know, five years at least. Uh, but I think that's in, uh, interesting. And, like, I mean, that publication, that was around the same time that where I came in as well and we did that audio yes. piece uh, sort of as a podcast uh, project after doing the workshop. And... Um, I felt like that also 
very much came from the same space of not trying to box in like, oh, we're going to do it like this, we're going to do it like that. And I think this podcast will also like give a little bit of a window into seeing that way of working and seeing how many different uh, solutions you can come up with to uh, a problem or something that you're trying to to do as well. Because now knowing like what we have in the pipeline as this feed sort of starts to fill in and, and update, um, the podcast that we've done so far that uh, we'll be sharing uh, do have very different approaches, you know what I mean? Like to how uh, how the different groups uh, or, or people have decided to sort of present what it is that they've uh, been working on, thinking about or, or having conversations about. And I think that ties into, you know, you're right, like each group that we work in, whether it's the residency or the teen advisory board or even the, the sessions with PDF, they all have quite a different dynamic. And that's, of course, because people are different and different themes attract, you know, different dynamics. And there's different groups, there's different people selecting for them and all these kind of things. But, but actually, it's really interesting how different the form, the, the different, you know, something that essentially looks like it's a similar model uh, can be. And a big part of the way that we try and run the programs here is to think about how you manage expectations and create ownership within programs. And what I mean is that what we, we do not run courses, although it, actually if you looked at it afterwards, it might look like it. It might be like, okay, well, in this week... Uh, there were this many discussions with, uh, dis- you know, discussions around each other's creative practice. And then we had these views. And then we had this person come and talk to us about this topic. And we had- but um, but actually, the, all of that, it's not, of course, because all of that activity is developed with the participants. And even with Teen Advisory Board, it's a similar thing whereby we have an overall structure that they fit into. But actually, the way that the program forms is with uh, and in response to the participants. Um, and that's been, I think, very important in the residencies, especially um, to get the group. I think it's the same thing with why I think the groups actually quite often end up continuing to work together or staying in contact with each other is because I think they're given enough space to be able to create programs that they you know the programs respond to what they want to do and their suggestions are taken up into it rather than kind of me uh being like okay well at the beginning you can do this and then you know this and this and that. There, i do suggest at the beginning of a program it's about getting to know each other understanding the topic getting a like, little bit of the mapping the the situation the middle is a bit more about going into it more deeply, exploring, and then it's. I think it's important at the end to remember some kind of moment to be able to actually gather that together and think, process, and think what this has been for you and what's been meaningful, so that you don't just kind of. Some of our programs at the beginning, I think, didn't quite account for properly processing at the end, like very early on when we ran the first couple. And they were so intense and people had so much. And then I think they felt like you sort of dropped off a cliff, like you were doing all of this stuff together and it was brilliant and you'd met this great group of people. And then actually you could get quite depressed at the end of it. You'd be like, oh, no, now I'm back to real life. And, you know, yeah, it's the rebound you know. period uh, after hyper-stimulus. Yeah. <laughs> and, and exactly. And so actually by processing, gathering and sort of preparing properly at the end of a, a residency, it kind of then it's almost like you think more about how you go beyond that and mm-hmm. what it means and what it's going to mean for you when you leave and this kind of thing. So, 
I feel like we've, we're, we're quite good at being self-referential because I feel like that's sort of what we've tried to do here as well. That sort of three-step process of like, you know, getting to know uh, what and why and then sort of really engaging deeply in what it is that's, that, that goes on here um, and giving a little bit of reflection on why. Um, and then I'm very excited for people to hear some of the conversations that I've been uh, lucky enough to like sort of just be a fly on the wall and sit there and record because... Um, um, there's a lot of interesting people who come through these doors and um, I think it's valuable like the the reflections that they present in the podcast are very valuable ones yeah if you were to ask me um, why I run like why have I kept running practice for eight years and like, <laughs> it's definitely not because I'm really well paid and we have so much money to throw around <laughs> like, I could probably you know apply for jobs at other institutions and have more stability and what things like this. But, um, more free time too, probably. Yeah, probably more free time as well, yes. But in the role here, I have met so many incredible people. And I've learned so much that has changed me as a person as well. And I think, um, you know, practice has been, as much as we talk about, you know, space for development and learning for others, it's also been that for me through contact with all of these people from all around the world, dealing with so many varied different topics. And uh, so I hope that this podcast will give others uh, like a little bit of what I get through, uh, the, you know, what gives me joy in my uh, job or role here at Praxis can actually reach out to others and uh, yeah, they get the condensed version. I think it's <laughs> nice you're sharing that with people uh, and I hope so too. But um, so until next time, um, you'll be hearing our voices pop in and out uh, during some of the podcasts because me and Nicholas will be uh, involved in the recordings and sort of being there around the groups. But uh, May focus will be on those wonderful people. So uh, we'll see you next time with the first episode of the Praxis podcast. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs>